Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week. Therefore, it's another episode. And today's episode is just a delight. It really is. Um, I sent my guest a message literally three or four days ago on the off chance he might read it. And he read it and he responded. And and the, then I got a phone call out of the blue, which we, we talk about at the beginning, which was uh, uh, startling uh, and hilarious. Um, and it all just went into the pot to speak to an absolute delightful person about their passion of of records and that passion is yeah it's unquestionable and you're you're about to to hear that chat um it's tony pitts and yeah you're in for a treat um we we, we talk about lots of the stuff that tony's done over the years but most of it is based around the records that have been key to that we of course talk about uh the film funny car which um stars paddy constantine and um maxine peak uh, and he's he's put together uh, musically by Richard Hawley, uh, and we, we talk about all of this, and it's an absolutely lovely chat, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, before we get that chat underway, a few thank yous. Um, so, well, I guess firstly, thank you to Tony, and then thank you to uh, Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, uh, and thank you to 76 for producing my podcast during these strange times when it all has to be done over Zoom. And uh, so thanks for ensuring that people get a nice, warm-sounding podcast to listen to. If this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then once you get to the end of today's episode, why not go and explore the back catalogue? There's 300 or so episodes available now for free. Um, and you can hear me talking to uh, the aforementioned Maxine Peake, uh, which is an incredible episode. I can't can't recommend that one enough as well. Um, you can hear me talking to other actors such as uh, Amanda Abington, uh, Michael Smiley. Um, gosh, oh, there's loads. If if you know if you're into your music, then well, I've you know I've spoke to a big old whack of amazing artists that you can go and. Uh, enjoy the, uh, the the chats I have with them. So, yeah, I'm not going to rattle them all off because I try not to do that, and I've been doing it for the last God knows how many weeks. So, yeah, just go and have a look, and I'm sure you'll find something you'll enjoy. If you'd like to support the podcast, then you can do that um, by telling your mates that it's all right. Um, you can give us a, a follow on the social medias or drop us a little comment or a share. Um, and I have a Patreon as well, which is uh, like a little social media type account 
where you just sign up for 79p a month and then uh, I'll give you a, another episode each week over on there and yeah video episodes and put together little radio shows and stuff I play records and talk about them as well and yeah so you know if you'd like to support the podcast that way then uh, you can do that at patreon uh, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash off the beat and track um but you can find out about everything you need to know about the back catalogue and the Patreon and everything else at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Okay, that's the average waffle done. Uh, we're going to get over to some uh, some really lovely, engaging, passionate music chat now. So please enjoy today's episode with the wonderful Tony Pitts. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So, One of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Joining me today... Tony Pitts, how you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Well, I was just uh, saying to you before, um, turmoil. I uh, <laughs> absolute turmoil. I um, I don't usually do podcasts, but I was. So, it's it's a, it's the it's a push and the pull. I was pulled in by there because I I think music is the highest form of expression. I think it's been the greatest passion of my life. I think. Um, I think well, I think a lot of things about music, uh, uh, and then once I'd committed to doing this with you, I realised um, I think it was I've only had forty-eight hours to think about it, and forty-seven of them have been spent writing lists <laughs> and putting them in the bin. Uh, it's uh, it's it's the sins of omission, right? It's it's the ones that I'm not putting in. Yeah, and also that idea of of um, I've always found the idea of giving prizes for any kind of art ludicrous or so artistic merits. I mean, how do you how do you uh, by what criteria would you pick one song over another? You it's know? impossible. It is impossible. It is. And and you know, I think we can understand that on any given day, it could be one of any any other hundred songs. And I think when you phoned me the other day, I didn't recognise the number, obviously. And 
And I was just met with this voice just going, fucking horrendous. And I was thinking, yeah. who's this? Who, who's this? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's one of my many alarming character traits that I, I tend to start in the middle of. It might have been a low, my name's Tony, things, but yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it fucking horrendous. And, it, and you, said, you said on any given day, but it's, I mean, it's the uh, more... Uh, I, I'm more th- at the mercy of the winds than that. It's on any given hour. So it's in the, I've just spent the last um, half an hour doing bits and pieces and then just sort of trolling through, uh, uh, going down rabbit holes of different genres of music. So, and anyway, we're here now, so I've committed. I think I've committed okay. to, to a list of songs and um, and they all have huge significance to me um, yeah okay well let's start the playlist and for track one tony i'm going to ask you please to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro please okay so i uh okay well i'll just tell you what it is and then we'll do all that so i picked the lark ascending i picked i picked the lark ascending by vaughan williams yeah uh, because i think it's a lyrical evocation of of this country, not not even necessarily an idealised, but uh, the um, I was brought up in Sheffield, and my um, my grandma died uh, when I was around ten, so um, we moved as a family from a rather less salubrious area to um, posh Sheffield. So the um, so those formative years were spent in a place called Rivling, so we sort of lived. Um, in a semi-rural location, and I was woken every morning by um, birdsong and spent my days uh, running through the woods. And um, yeah, I'd, um, I'd uh, that sense of the numinous and the wonder of um, the the surge of the green surge of summer and stuff. And so that Vaughan Williams, uh, uh, the lark ascending immediately takes me there. It'll have different connotations for other people, I'm sure, but that's that's why I picked um, that particular thing. That, I, I think, in, in, I don't know what your um, your other guests have found, but intro, I mean, that was just, <laughs> I just didn't know where to begin. It's, it's, I, it's really strange, isn't it? Because some people go for something quite long and, you know, it's a journey to get to the payoff Whereas yes. some people are just like, no, fuck it, hard days night or help. Mate. Yeah, hard days night, straight in. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, I, I had, um, I was toying with Stevie Wonder. Uh, don't you worry about a thing. Um, uh, but you see, you see <laughs> now, but we let's just celebrate Vaughan Williams. And <laughs> I have never had yet. a guest. I've had over three hundred guests on here, Tony, and I've never yeah. seen anyone so uncomfortable with actually it's naming the one just because it's, it's at the detriment of something else. Okay. And I understand, they're not mutually exclusive. And it's, it's the, it's the, it's what, well, I think um, this is, I think this is, I think the two ways that I'd introduce myself to people rather, because I've got, uh, well, I think it's fair to say I'm a, I've got a strong personality, so I'm not to everybody's taste, including myself. And I think that, um, I think that I've, because of the time and the place that I grew up, I put on a lot of armour because I think I should actually, 
I should I should actually look like one of the Bronte sisters, <laughs> but I've covered myself in tattoos or muscles to disguise myself. So I think the two ways I'd uh, to introduce myself, who I feel I really am in my internal life, would be by writing and the music that I love. So that's why I think it's such um, turmoil, because I think the biggest fear I've got is, is misrepresentation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yes. And in those those early years of, of you know, of moving and things like that, was there, was there records on at home? Yeah, yeah, but I thought about that. It's... Um, Yes, there were. So my, I was born in 1962. My mum had me when she was 17, so I, um, my dad was 20, so I had young parents. So I grew up, uh, I was a child of the 60s and then a youth of the 70s and stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, record player, Beatles, all the Beatles, mono and then stereo, four tops, uh, the Stones, Rolling Stones, uh uh, when I think of my mum and dad, I don't think of them as being big, uh, certainly not having the same musical love music that I do, but um, uh, that's probably not true. I think they, 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 there was music in the house. I was, I'm the oldest of three boys, but there's a big gap between the third one, so it was me and my brother Mark. And, yeah, I think that's uh, formative memories, me and him with, with the record player in the front room uh, and we put stuff on, and it, I don't know if it was dancing or fighting. I think it was dance fighting is what we'd do. Yeah. Uh, and I'd also often make up stories or company, whatever, whatever we were dance fighting to. So, yeah, there was music in the house. Yeah, there was. And then by the time I could buy records, by the time I realised, I mean, that was such a fucking epiphany there. I mean, that was, I think when you get a pedal bike, that gives you that sense of freedom that it's undreamt of, that you can actually move. But then when I realised that I, the music that I was hearing on the radio I could go and own, yeah. which is which is and is the dreadful old man in me, but I've got that thing of, uh, it's not the same now. It's not the same as actually going and getting. That going and getting that, um, the music that you've heard and loved was um, well. I loved all the ritual. I loved the whole thing. I loved the loved the bus journey down to Hillsborough to, to get this, or ordering stuff and waiting for it to come in, and then saving up, and then the that getting home with it. That febrile fucking. I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't wait for the bus. I'd leg it back home to put it on. And I'm one of those, and I'm 59. I've never lost it. If I like a piece of music, it gets. I play. The arse out of it. Yeah, I just, same. I will, yeah, back to the beginning, back to the beginning, back to, to the point where people say, Are you? Uh, I suspect there are other issues involved, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do you know yeah. what? It's one of the other things that's definitely presented itself in the time I've been doing this uh, podcast is that constant question of like, it was better back in the day and you don't want to you don't want to sound like the miserable old dude and and i've done it in so many ways shapes or form but one of the things that comes across is the value that people put on the journey the amount of people that yeah. have gone i remember getting on the bus with that jam yeah. record and i got home yeah. and i put it on yeah. and i stared at the cover put it on again yeah. read every possible note yeah. on that cover yeah because it's the, because because music because music is a kind of secret. It's kind of like the most, 
I think poetry is the other thing that touches it. You, I used to hear music and think, how the fuck do they know that? Yeah. How the fuck do they know that that I can hear that and and see that and the and I think that's probably true in life in in any I think anything that you've got to do something for has more value yeah for sure and and also uh, uh, yeah I resisted I, I try to resist the thing the old man in but um, the uh, we lived in a life, I grew up in a world with a lot less choice. There were a lot less diversions. So, um, you know, three channels on the TV and and the music and reading. So, and the, and the um, so music and reading have been the things that I've placed the, the biggest value on, I think. Yeah. Well, let's go back to them, them formative years then and for track two. I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song that you remember hearing, please, Tony, that had an emotional impact on you. Pieces, well, okay, welcome. Well, before I tell you, I'm going to tell you because uh, that, cause, uh, just to define the emotional impact, because there's all sorts of different emotions. And when we immediately, when we think of an emotional landscape, we, make, we think of the melancholy, which I've always been drawn to. But uh, uh, but I also remember the emotion of uh, the Disney films, like the Elephant March and, yeah. and Jungle Book, and that stuff. That 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 stirred something in me that, uh, and I think that's a commonality with all music. Love it's music that can make me feel something that I wasn't necessarily feeling before. So the the song that had the most emotional impact on me was uh, Pieces of a Man by uh, Girl Scott Heron. A record uh, that I heard as a child, and I've got tattooed on my chest. In a, a, I've got a huge, and I've got it's the name of um, my company as well. Pieces of man, so that's been with me. It feels like all my life. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I mean, I'm sure you know the track, but it's um, about his Gil Scott Aaron's father losing his job. Being made redundant and being uh, emasculated by that and stuff, and I sort of, um, my father was a steel worker. My dad's still around, but was a steel worker in Sheffield at the time. And um, uh, so I heard the song before I saw the, before I saw it in the flesh. But um, it was just, uh, just something so, and it's, I mean, as I said, it's, this is a 50 year journey I've had with that track. Yeah. Put it on now. Not stoned. I've not had a drink. I've just been fizzing about my day. If I put that on now, uh, there's uh, uh, my shoulders a waterfall for my tears. Yeah. Just get, get, every time it gets me. Every every time. And so it's. Um, I'll go a year without listening to it. You know, sometimes maybe I've gone a couple of years without listening to it, and then I'll put it on, and um, I'm right back there. Yeah. I can't. I, I was trying to think. I think there was, there was no point lying for the sake of tidiness. I can't actually remember the. Um, I can't remember the first time. I, I can't remember the facts of the first time I, I heard it. It must have been. I suspect. I, I feel. I've got a feeling that I was. Um, I, my babysitter played it on our record player. Uh, and then, but I, but I remember uh, that I've got to get that. I've got, to, I've got to have that. Yeah, I've got to have that near me. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, pieces of a month. Oh, just an incredible, incredible record. And and the first guest I ever had on this podcast was a, a musician and poet called Scroobius Pip. Um, yes, and he chose this and uh, as well. Well, God bless and, him. Uh... But okay. So then, <laughs> so then, so here's here's my contention. I don't know him. My contention is, if he loves, if they pick that song, and he's, we're going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. I reckon we're going to be all right. The Absolutely. Is, I can't, they can't be that fucking wide because if he's if he's got that in him, then we're going to be all right. Yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned melancholy, and yes, and so if you if you wake up, Tony, and you're having a, a low day, you're feeling a bit blue. Do you mm-hmm. immerse and? process that emotion with music or do you reach for yeah. something joyous to try and kind of no 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 i don't and I, well i'm i'm afraid it's an particularly english disease and i'm i i uh, i will engender the melancholy i will I'll, I'll, i think it's um it's probably my default setting because uh, because the melancholy is not misery is it melancholy is a kind of it's, uh, I, I, I wrote um, I wrote a film called Funny Cow for um, Maxine Peake, and um, there's a line in there, life's um, always been too much for me, too much and not enough all at the same time. And that's where the melancholy of music is. So I know if, I, I, know if I'm, I, I, I feel things, and I want to feel things, and I don't. I, don't, I think a false jollity or, or that that sort of nonsense that doesn't that doesn't work. Uh, and I think um, then equally, if I'm if I'm giddy, then we got well, then I'll I'll have a giddy half hour of music. Yeah. I'll go I'll go with that, and it's that's particularly. Um, so I'm I'm filming up in uh, Yorkshire at the moment, so I've been driving over the North Yorkshire moors. With the tunes on on my car, God, I can't think of anything better. Yeah, I can't. I just literally can't think of anything I'd rather do. Well, we'll talk about that that film uh, a little bit later. Um, um, what a fucking magnificent film that is, mate! It absolutely knocked me sideways when I saw that, and I, I was absolutely thrilled. I got to speak to Maxine on this podcast as well. And, Thank you. Uh, who's uh, Thank you. yeah. Uh, wonderful film. Oh, like I say, we'll pick up on that a little bit. She's not bad at the acting, huh? Like, uh, not bad, not bad not at bad all. Yeah. Um, going to stay in the formative years for track three, and I'm going to ask you, please, for the song that reminds you of your time at school. Well, now, well, now, and here's a terrible admission. I could feel this marching towards me the minute we start the call. I can't remember what, what I settled on with you. What did I settle on? You can you remember? Four, I can. Oh, God. Oh, this is a... right. You changed this last minute, so when we yes. spoke this morning, oh, wait for the man. You went velvet, yeah, yeah. Wait for the man, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the diff- the the school. The, uh, uh, the difficulty I had with, with the school days one is the fucking tumble dryer of those years. I mean, the, just the, just the, and I wasn't, so Jim Moyer's a dear, dear friend of mine, Vic Rees, and Jim and Jim and I have a shared love of music and also have this shared experience of, I fucking loved disco and I loved punk and I, and I loved, I loved, I, I loved anything that made me feel anything. So when it was coming to picking from my school days, 
and, and it is ego and it is uh, terrible. I thought, well, if I say, um, I don't know, Heroes by Bowie, I think, well, is that too? The, or if I say, did it, did it, uh, and because I was, I wasn't sort of, um, I mean, I was into, I've always been a bit of a dancer. I've always loved to dance. I'd a jazz, funk, dance stroke. So I'd do that and then I'd be down at the limit in Sheffield um, with Jarvis there and Richard Hawley and that. So I had that in me. So, and I picked Waiting for the Man just um, just because it's it's still so vibrant in my mind. It still does that thing to me. It's still... But I, th- I mean, I, I don't, at that point, I was th- a little naive at 12 or 13, not quite sure what I was listening to the story of, but yeah. um, that incessant, that. And then uh, New York's my, my favourite town, and I try to get there whenever I can get there, try to get there, and um, that's also the soundtrack of, of New York yeah, to me. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, at what school? <laughs> for them or for me? Uh, both. Let's go out. Well, go, for, go for me, both. for me, an absolute fucking delight. For, <laughs> for every for everybody else involved in any supervisory capacity. You see, I was uh, I was um, uh, uh, what was a was a lot of things. I was um, I. I, I could not stand lazy disruption. Uh, I used to have real, I used to think, oh, I have some fucking creativity about your disruption. I'm a, I'm a natural disruptor. I, I um, that's remained. And um, I don't think with um, malice, I just couldn't believe that we were doing what we were doing. I just think, well, why are we fucking doing this? God, it, I just thought, I just can't think, does anybody else not yeah. think how the idea of being alive and that things be, this this is really happening was enough for me. Yeah. I didn't need any two plus two. And, uh, I, um, so, yeah, my school days were, uh, and that's continued. I had a, um, I think there was a large body of opinion against me, probably quite rightly, but then I had uh the people that I loved and loved me back were we were committed to. So yeah, I'd do what would I do? I don't know. I'd do I run um a really quite successful uh bingo um <laughs> bingo that but 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 that went through the day from lesson to lesson. So you know, house and line would be called uh, in the middle of the class. Yeah. So the teachers were must have been in all least bovinely stupid because we'd be doing geography and somebody shout line and then there'd be a lot of sighing and then and then in English somebody shout house and I'd pay them off and um, so yeah uh, I was um, uh, we came to an accommodation in the end really I, I mean I was I, um, uh, I was I think it was quite bright I think it was a, 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 a bright kid but uh, um in the end, the kind of the, the agreement was if you, you come to school uh, and they had a, there's either Val the secretary's office. I had, my school had two thousand four hundred kids in it. It was a huge, uh, really pioneering, early comprehensive in Sheffield. So uh, I could uh, they said I could bring a radio in at one point, 
So I I'd sit in uh sit in the cupboard at the back of Val's and listen to the radio for towards the end. Um yeah. Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? Mm, that's a good question. That is a good question. Well, okay. Well, like most, I'd, I'd certainly knew what I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I I felt like uh, I felt like I had to protect what I wanted to be, and and uh, that thing I said before. I loved. I fucking adore. Uh, um, uh, reading English, I used to be livid. I couldn't understand why we were having English lessons. I'm thinking, why can we? What? Why can? So, um, so I, I knew that I wanted to be an artist of some description, but that was, there was no temp- the template of masculinity I grew up with, with. You were defined by graft and stoicism and. Uh, you know, and all, all those things. I mean, I and uh, again, it's a line of point. But I did get a funny bone instead of a backbone. I just, but I just knew, uh, 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 and the the pack sort of sniffed me out as well. So the I was, um, yeah, I I, I wanted, I I felt like I've had no choice really in the way that my life's gone. I felt vocational that it would be. It had to be some version of of this, where um, I, I could paint a little, I can play music a little. I, I've always been able to write. Um, that just felt natural to me. So yeah, I didn't know exactly. I think. I've got a memory, but it, it, it's lost in the mist of time now. But I do remember saying to them, "I wanted to be an actor." So, and they said, um, uh, "Here's a job interview for a buffer, which was somebody who polishes spoons." So I thought there was a bit of a discrepancy between what I'd asked for and what what I was sent for. Um, yeah. So no, I don't think I really knew. I just thought I think that. Um, Life teaches you how to live it, doesn't it? Really, and I sort of, uh, I was, um, I was, and remain. I'm, I'm uh, odd. I'm, a, I'm an odd combination of different things. But um, was you confident? Hmm. Oh, probably about all the wrong things. Yeah, probably, probably ludicrously confident about all the things I was working. Uh, um. The the great questions and I and I don't want to just give you pat answers for the sake of answering. I don't I don't really know if I was confident or or not confident or I just I've I've always been very much. I'm sure you'll get this. I've always been very much myself. Do you know what I mean? I've never I didn't look for validation from others, and I you know I would. I'd go out. Uh, I'd go out clubbing on my own, without uh, with, with not a thought, not a thought to how it might appear or or a need for. Um, so yeah, I think it was. There's a huge uh, confidence in that, Tony. There's a huge confidence in that. The thought of going to a club, yeah. on your own. I, 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 you know, I could not. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think it's, it's when you suddenly when you start. It's only when people ask you questions that you start to. 
well, then you start to realise yeah. what you think, what you know, and uh, so, so yes, I could, uh, I could, I could see. Uh, that would seem hugely confident, but I just, um, but I don't feel like I've been anything other than myself. So I don't think so. I mean, you could sort of say people said, oh, "I think you're brave for being," you know, going. I've, I, I, I've not felt like I've had any choice. So, um, and the other that thing about going out, it's interesting because uh, Richard Hall is one of my closest and dearest friends. So I love the fucking bones of him, and and. Thankfully, it's reciprocated. But um... Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We talked about uh, early years, and we um, it turns out there was a club called The Limit in the Sheffield that, the, that our tribe would gravitate so when it turns out we we'd be at the same gigs at the same time alone you know we were that kid that kid uh, running the goal on the, of the 10 to 1 bus home in Sheffield with dyed hair and plastic shoes you know he had to you had to be able to to scrap so yeah yeah so <laughs> confident confident in uh would be, it's difficult for me to answer I, I, I guess it could be yeah I suppose. I think certainly when I got the opportunity to when Ken Loach picked me to be in the film, but I think that's the confidence of youth, you know, because um, there's no thought of consequences. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, and you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. 
also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. You, you've chose a, a, a very, very sought-after and difficult industry to work within. So confidence aside, would you say you're quite driven? No. No, no, I'm not driven. I'm not driven in... Um, I, I think it's probably... I think it's probably uh, fear of... I think it's probably fear. I don't know. I think it's probably fear of being misrepresented because I do, I do, I do appear one way, and I've got, I've got some weight about me, and I'm, you know, I'm quite. Uh, um, so I, 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 I've not felt ambitious in that sense, that, but, uh, but. Um, it's it's difficult for me to unpick all this. Uh, to be honest with you, I think the final mystery is always yourself. Sure. Really, I think it's easy to give answers about yourself. I think that I, the group, my I, as you can tell by the over talking and that I w- want to be heard and I want to leave something behind me with some value. Yeah. Okay. I want to leave something behind me with some value. Well, I'm going to pick back up on that uh, in, in, in a moment, but let's just, this is going to be the last song in the kind of formative years for track four, and I'm going to ask you the first record you remember buying from a record shop. Oh, that was waiting for my man. Was it? Oh, sorry. Have I double oh, no, no, no. Was that, no, no. Oh, was that? Oh, was that? Um... That no, was... the first, oh, no, no, you're right. The yeah. first record I bought from Record Shop was an eight-track stereo, yeah. and it was the Stones. It was a Rolling Stones, and it was an eight-track stereo, and it had um, The Last Time on it, uh, uh, amongst others. Again, I, I sort of went and looked at that album, sort of thinking, which one of these yeah. am I going to say? But I think... Yeah, this it was an eight-track stereo. We had a Quartina PWB seven one seven K, a brown one, <laughs> brown one. And my dad, the exhaust had come off it, and I tell the kids on where I lived that he'd had it race tuned. When in fact, <laughs> it just didn't have an exhaust on it. And uh, yeah, that that was um, fuck. I mean, that was that was going to the moon when. Uh, he said, "I've got an eight-track stereo in the the car, and you can put that in." So I bought the, I bought the Rolling Stones and an eight-track, and it was the last time. And that um, couldn't get it loud enough. Couldn't be loud enough. Couldn't get it loud enough. T- tell me about your relationship with with the record shop growing up. Okay, so there was so. I, I was brought up in um, well a few places, but Hillsborough, uh, where the football ground is in Sheffield, and there was um, now at that time the big supermarket sold records. So I ordered. Um, I said, "Oh God!" I think I ordered uh, Bowie, the uh, TVC One Five. I ordered that for uh, that, that, that. Would that be Low Album? Can't remember Low and Heroes. I think I ordered from. The supermarket, but there's a little record shop uh, at Hillsborough Corner, 
uh, and I bought um, the four, but um, oh, four tops. Um, just walk away, Renee. Oh, what a record! I, I bought that because uh, because you don't know as a child that you're supposed to. You know what I mean? Being a so, I bought that and I bought Two Way Army or something. I think when I first heard that, and I, so. Uh, uh, that shop, I don't want to overdo it, but, but that was a portal. That was uh, that was Mr. Ben. That was <laughs> it, it, Mr. Ben, and it was. And I had, um, I've never had any work in me. I'm a lazy fuck, but I, I, I did kind of eventually see that um, that record shop persuaded me a paper round was worth was worth it. Uh, and I go down. The bus was two pence down Hillsborough, and I go down. And I would, I'd save up enough to. I think I said earlier to get there, and to, and to get in that shop. Then I'd have to buy. And if you've already gathered, I'd have to buy one song. Yeah. I'd, I'd get there at ten. I'd be out at two. I'd just be. And you could listen to them as, in Sheffield City Centre. There was a place called Wilson and Peck, and you could go. Uh, and also there was Dialer Disc. I don't know if other guests have talked about that. So dial a disc you could just ring up from home yeah. and listen to, listen to so, so I just I remember listening to the pistols for like four hours yeah. so you know and then Wilson and Peck I'd go into town I'd catch the bus because you could go in there and just listen to albums in the booth so do that the record shop at Hillsborough I don't think it was particularly long lived but that I can I can I've got a full sense memory of it. I had a bell on the door. I can tell you the carpet. I can. I can. I can see. I know this. Uh, the size of it. The uh, uh, and there's a, a kid in there who had a kind of contrived indifference. It was just kind of like like that. And then there was an older fella who was in there, and he absolutely fucking loved every every piece of music that he played. <clears throat> so yeah. And then I moved to Manchester. I uh, moved over to Manchester in my early twenties, and. I'd spent a lot of time uh, buying uh, northern yeah. stuff in Manchester. <clears throat> so, yeah, you, you touched on uh, Gary Newman a, a moment ago. Then the mm. movements in Sheffield music in in the sort of very early eighties did that impact on you at all? Yeah, well, I was kind of around all that, and mm. I was around ABC and Heaven Seventeen, and they were all. I mean, we're all of an age. We were all sort of there. And I sort of, I was picked for a lead part in a second lead part in a film by Ken Loach in 1981. So uh, I was, yeah, I was around that. And there is a chef, I'm sure every town has it, but there is a Sheffield sensibility. There is a, there is a sharp as Sheffield. There is a, um, so yeah, I was very much. I was I was around that. Um, it moved. Um, there's a place called the Crazy Daisy. I mean, it's like the fucking Wild West. And then there was a, but the Limit Club was a place I think where I spent most of my time. Uh, and that's and those, you know, I'd see Martin Fry out there. You'd, I'd see. Um, I'd see Human League, the girls from Human League have been the credit. In fact, I think I'm pretty sure that uh, um, it's Suzanne in it and Joanne. Uh, Joan. I'm sure they were, well, I know for a fact that they used to be dancing in the crazy daisy, and that was open in the day as well. 
used to go in there in the daytime uh, as well. Yeah, and I, I had a job as a truck mechanic. It was fucking disastrous. I'm absolutely <laughs> fucking disastrous. And my, um, I think we had two weeks holiday. So I said to them, can I have every Friday afternoon off for my holidays instead of having holidays? And that's what I'd do. So I'd finish work at 12 o'clock and I'd get on the bus and I'd go down to the Daisy and I'd have a dance some, wow. and some cider. Well, yeah. talking about dancing um, for track five, I'm going to ask you for the song that soundtrack your year's club in, please. Okay, so this has been the easiest, not because there's not a thousand other contenders, because there are, and I love them all, but uh, it's this is so deep in me, this song, that it's uh, The Bottle. Gil's got Heron. So Gil, Gil's got another one. It's Dust. I've danced to, I've danced to that, the, the bottle in just about every major European country in the States, in, and I've danced drunk and sober, and and it's one of that I can't... Everything is just... There's, uh, I love Gil. I, I, I loved... I've, Fucking loved him. Uh, I saw him live a few times. Saw him in the states. Saw him here. Uh, and there's um, I'd, it's very difficult me to, for, for me to explain. But there was an almost impossible sophistication and glamour about him because I lived in those grey, grasping, grim northern industrial streets, and then there was Gil Scott Heron with this. Fucking flow, the flow of it, the the. So yeah, Gil Scott Heron, the bottle, every time, every every time, uh, absolutely. And it don't matter whatever else was going on. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd say that'd be my these. The There's loads of other clubbing tunes from different and different genres and times and places that I'll, I could fill another ten shows with, but there was no way that wasn't going to be. And let's not overlook what I mean. That could easily have been number one. What a fuck off intro that song's got. Absolutely. But it, but it could have been. To be honest with you, it could have been. It could have been because it's got. It, yeah, it it answers any questions about yeah. music for me. Just the intro, uh, and, and I, I, I mean, it, and when I, uh, it's, it's. Believe it or not, my Sheffield accent's pretty much gone. I've just got a sort of generic northern accent now. I don't have the full. When I go back to Sheffield, it's a lot. It's a di- there's different sounds. Uh, Sheffield sounds, but the the dance floors as a youth that I do is going uro do tres cuatro and legging it to get on there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just I just loved it. It's, it's, there's a swirling beauty to that song. Um, yeah, love it, love it, love it, love yeah. it. There is a, an absolute swirling beauty about that. It's just. Oh, it's it's a, an incredible record, and yeah. shockingly, no one's ever picked that to this point. And uh, oh, you are right. shitting me! You we're over three hundred episodes in, and no one's well, chosen the bottle. So then, yeah. I'm going to re-look at Scroobius then as a potential <laughs> friend. I can't believe nobody's the bottle. I can't believe I know, it. I know what a great what? record it is. Okay, well, yeah. If anybody's out there listening that don't know it, immediately make your way. Do it to to to, to Gill and take a listen. <laughs> well, let, let's let's take you home for track six, and I'm going to ask uh, you to tell me a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Uh, 
So there's two elements of um, Keane to... One is, uh, uh, I could have picked something by Paul Heaton, who um, I own regard as a friend. And Paul's scored music for my work before he's wrote original music for for me, for things that I've written. And um, uh, fabulous uh, songwriter, an extraordinary lyricist, a fucking extraordinary, and a beautiful, plaintive voice, I think, that... But I, I let's let's just before you get on to it, let's talk on. about Paul Heaton briefly, though, okay. because because like he doesn't get mentioned enough on this podcast, and Crazy. I, I think he's one of the greatest songwriters this country's produced. I think oh, of, all, of all one of our greatest songwriters of all time. Yeah. I think he wrote. I wrote a series called Shed Town for Radio Four, which was a sort of eleven thirty slot, and the, the beauty of radio is you. It really was the last bastion of free speech. You got left alone. There was no committees trying to tell you what you wanted to talk about. And because it was an 11.30 slot, I could kind of, it was tucked away. And I asked Paul to write um, the music to that and uh, the song, uh, the title songs to that. And um, uh, every line. Yeah. Every, every line yeah. I, 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 you could you'd you could you'd want to quote you'd want to have that on yeah. your tongue uh i've just been listening earlier to um uh let um let love speak up itself let, let speak for that, itself. hanging from a cleaver that fucking line absolutely oh, well i just watched him there's a live performance i don't know where it is that the main thing about the performance is i want to kill the crowd because they just fucking uh, they're all busy trying to be funny and shout stuff out. But he's Paul says on stage, good, but I, well, it's, Paul said it some, but it's no, Paul said on stage, uh, um, this is the first time we're going to sing this since I've got my confidence back because he lost his confidence. And he sang Let Love Speak, uh, and it is just, Jackie's with him, Jackie Abbott's with him. And again, it's on YouTube, you can go and, go and see it, and it's sort of, like all great art, it just becomes something else and it becomes transcendent. And it is the lyrics are beautiful. And what I, the, the commonality that I have uh, is I like people who fucking mean it. Yeah. Whatever it is, I don't even have to necessarily agree with it, but I like people who mean it. Yeah. Uh, and he means it. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, there's real nuance in Paul's writing and there's. Um, and it, and he wears his um, intelligence lightly. His his emotional intelligence, I think, is immense. But he's is, is no show off. Yeah. But um, yeah, just beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. I, I, However, I, I remember up. seeing him on there was a, a, a music show called was it called Rapido or something like that. Yes. Like, on BBC Two in the very of the late eighties, I think. Yeah. Uh, and and I think it was early days of the beautiful South, and he was singing "Lean on Me." Yes, and and I'd read because of the the song that he'd done where he says "Back to Bed, Back to Reality" that that Soul yeah. to Soul had tried to sue yeah. him or something. Wow, and and had said that like. You know, he didn't have soul or something like that, and I just think, fuck yeah, well, off, mate! Like, yeah, you have yeah, a little yeah. listen to that, mate. Yeah, He's yeah, got yeah. more soul in his little finger, mate. It's yeah, unbelievable yeah, yeah. his voice. Yes, like, so yeah. underrated. Yeah, absolutely. I can't. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a real thing, and it, uh, 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 and he's 
and he's maintained it as well. He's not, you know, he's throughout all the various uh, iterations of his career. Is uh, yeah. So, but I didn't pick Paul, and the only reason I didn't pick Paul is I had to go for the love of my life, which is my fucking darling friend Richard, who I absolutely fucking adore and if anybody wants to seek it out there's a thing called um only artists on radio four and they ask people to pick an artist that they want to interview so richard picked me and we spoke and then i picked jim and but that that chat i had with richard um uh is one of the few things that i'm pleased with because I'm not pleased with anything that I do, but that was a genuine. So I picked Richard Hawley because I had to pick Richard Hawley, and I th- and underrated doesn't begin to describe what I think about Richard because I uh, if Pete, I know as his friend I know what the lyrics mean, uh, and they mean a lot more than so the, you can say Richard's on a lot of different levels. Uh, uh, I, I and it, we are shaped by the same winds. Uh, he and I, we are from the same place at the same time, and we were both were hiding up trees, you know. And um, and I could have, I, I, if you don't mind, I, I'm going to pick two. One, what one for the obvious reason. I'm going to pick Funny Cow, which is a song that he wrote for my film Funny Cow. So I rang. I've told this story a thousand times, but it's. Still true and still beautiful. I, I've, I've, I'd written Funny Cow, and a Funny Cow is essentially, uh, well, it's me as uh, a in a red dress. Really, it's got a, um, it's, um, it's, it's my memories of the world that I grew up in. And so I rang Richard, and it was Saturday afternoon, and. Um, you, if, you, if you, I don't know if you met Richard, but he's very, you, you just never, he's very, you know, he's like, all right, quite. So I said, yeah, I've got, he said, what's it about, Tony? And I said, well, it's about, you know, the, the streets of Sheffield and the, and the, what it meant to be um, a bit different at that time. And da, da, da. I, I got about three or four lines out, can't remember what I said. And he went, oh, okay, all right. And he went, and then he rang me, that was Saturday, he rang me Sunday sea time and oh, he won't mind me saying he was in drink. He had a glass or ten. And he said, I've got some, I've uh, got some, yeah. uh, listen, and he sang it down the phone to me. And I just, and in that moment, I thought, am I either going to pack it in, am I either going to just stop trying to express myself because I can't do that. Because he said everything I wanted to say in that film, he said it in in two minutes with no fuss, just seemingly effortless. Yeah. It isn't, but seemingly effortless because he knows what to say and what not to say. And I thought, and I genuinely thought, I just don't know whether, or oh, I'm just going to try and get better. And I took I took that path. Uh, so funny cow. Um, but that's just about the most the most personal piece of music. And then the other one, because uh, I just can't not mention it, he wrote a song called Vickers Road, which is just about his chat. It's a little-known song. It's not one of the bigger, well-known ones. I don't think he plays it that often live. But it's just about um, it's about his childhood in Sheffield and the uh, the pop 
the I don't know if you'd have this, but we had the pop van used to come round selling lemonade and yeah, of course. Right, and it was run by dodgy lads just out of prison with swallows on their hands and they'd sell pops here. And so that's such an evocative song for me. So I'm picking Funny Cow by Richard Hawley, but yeah. it could have been it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Any one of ten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, Richard Hawley, I... I I don't. I wouldn't know where to start. I mean, I, I was lucky way back in the in the nineties. My my band played quite a few shows with the Long Pigs, and uh, and yeah. so yeah. So I did get to 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 meet him yeah. a fair few times, but that was a long, yeah. long time ago. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, and and yeah. and he was uh, an absolute joy. Was my recollection of of, of that. Um, yeah. And then to you know to see the the the, the stuff that obviously then went and and, and done. As, as as himself and the stuff he's done with pulp, it's like you know that's yeah, a, yeah, there's a serious yeah. body of work there. Yeah, a serious body of work, and he uh, and he's uh, he's a muso's muso as well. I mean, and he's uh, it's that thing of uh, it's it's strange because a lot of my mates are sort of well known and stuff, and I I I do everything I can not to watch the work. I don't want to corrupt our friendship by. But Rich is one of the. I, so I'll, I'll hopefully get to see him next week at some point. But I, you know, we we'll go for a, we'll go for a drink together. We'll go back to his house and he'll he'll pick his guitar. Or he'll sit in the pub and sing to me. He'll just sit in the pub and sing the most fucking heartbreakingly beautiful songs you've ever. And then said, "Do you want another?" And I'll be just. It's like a knife attack. I mean, he, he smashes me to pieces. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and so. Yeah, I adore him, and I think he's um, a, 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 a towering, a towering uh, figure. I mentioned a while ago. I wanted to pick back up on on Drive, and and I know when I spoke to Maxine, I'm sure she said it took a while to kind of get Funny Cow, like ten years. Yeah, so yeah. to get that over the line. With yeah. the cast that's in that film and it to look and sound and be as beautiful as that film was, that's mm. got to take drive, Tony, surely. Well, no, yeah, but somebody else's, not mine. 
See that's okay. it. See, I I uh, I gave it to. So I, at that point in my life, I think I just started. What happened to me was I was in. I was a little soap sod in Aberdale for a lot of years, and then uh, I was asked to leave, and I left. And um, so I stayed in and smoked weed and wrote for three, four years. Just lost years. I couldn't get arrested. I didn't have the. Uh, the right energy to get in the business. I was uh, full of lots of things, but I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And I'm still, still now finding. See, I wrote poetry and I wrote uh, films and I wrote plays and I wrote, but with no thought of any of showing them to anybody. I, I, that wasn't so. Um, so anyway, so I uh, I met Maxine. We we worked together on a. Uh, and I met Paddy at the same time, so that is the cast. The cast is fortunately a my mate. So that's 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 the lucky thing. I just managed. Uh, I just asked my mates who who I love and love me back if they do it, and they all said yes, and they did all do it. You know, including Richard, Stevie Graham came and did it, and Maxine did it, and 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 John uh, Bish came and did it. So um, incredible yeah, cameo I, from uh, Jim as well. Jim was Jim was, <laughs> and he's such that that you see Jim Jim's Jim's. I mean, I, I get I, one of my closest friends. We've just uh, I've just wrote something for me, me and him that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Actually, uh, we recorded down in Brighton at the beginning of the year. So he and I collaborate together. But yeah, so I I wrote Funny Cow, and uh, it was. Um, the well, I don't. I, I'm going to self sabotage if I say so much, but it was seen by the people who was purportedly support the British film industry, and I was told there was no love in it, uh, and which is like saying there's no soul in police. And there's, there's, it's full of fucking love. It's full of love. Is comes in can get corrupted and changed into many different things. Uh, uh, and um, there was no, this, you know, the, the commercially it's not going to be and, and all that. So I gave it to a kid called Kevin Proctor who was just, uh, I think he was a production assistant on uh, Sherlock when I did Sherlock. And uh, I get, he, he, I'd written something else that I'd, and he said, could I take a look at anything you wrote? And I gave him that. I write pen and paper and... Uh, uh, I write pen and paper and I wrote Funny Cow in like two and a half hours um, and I gave it him and uh, he was on a, one of those mega bus that thing so yeah. uh, he was on one of those anyway and he rang me and said uh, uh, in, in bits and he said we'll get this made and then there were so many false dawns and there were so many uh, people wanting to see I won't um, for better or worse, and I'm not. It's just I won't compromise on what I'm right. It just seems fucking pointless. It seems the ultimate, the most pointless thing you can do is to live the life that I have that with no certainty, and then just hand it over. So it all. So we couldn't. So we 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 got money. Then the then the money, but they wanted this person to be in it and that person to be in it, and then this person then. It, uh, and it was just we we just felt like it was going to happen so many times and then didn't happen and then eventually we went to well I went to a meeting with a guy who was just he just signed the deal 
to Peppa Pig for like 1.4 billion or whatever. And I was the next meeting he had, and he was a, a he's about my age, and he said, um, I've just signed the deal for Peppa Pig, but um, which is great for us, you know, it's great, but it's not what I got into it. For. I got into it um, for stuff like this. He said, I, I can't give you, and this was a distributor, he said, I can't. He said, I'll give you, and I, he gave us a couple hundred grand. And that was it. The minute, so then we got 232 private investors, a meat magnet from Margate gave us 50 grand. This one gave us, and, and it was like that. And it was, and it was, um, we did it by the skin of our teeth. We just started shooting, you know. I think there were, I think it's fair to say that some of the cast weren't quite aware how, you know, we were living from hand to mouth. We were having to, uh, we were supported by uh, people that I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Who just sort of didn't need some, had a little chance of getting the money back, but gave us the dough. Uh, and then I found Adrian Shergold, um, who directed it for me. And that's, I met him and I knew within, I literally knew within a minute that he was going to be doing it because he um, he got it. He did, he got it and he made it and, and we and we got it made. But Maxine probably sold you. It it wasn't the day that we got in the car to start shooting. Even then I was <laughs> it sounds ludicrous, but I, even then I was thinking I wasn't absolutely sure we were gonna arrive on the film set. Yeah. You know. But yeah, and then it, it then it got made and then it then it's out in the world and uh yeah and and yeah. and and for anyone listening that hasn't seen that like i i can't recommend that enough it, it's it, you know i'm not sitting here blowing smoke up your ass tony it's it's a fucking incredible film i it absolutely blew me away when i saw that mate and thank you yeah thank you very much well it's your turn now to uh to, to blow someone else away now and and for the last track uh yeah it's a song that many people may not know that you want them to hear Right now, so now this is there, there's there's well you can't see. But there's, I can't. I can't. This is, and again, I can't. Okay, I th- okay. I think I've settled on. Even now, I want to change it. I think I settled on Scott Walker. It's raining today. Uh, 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 there's a connection there with Richard and Scott as well. Richard did uh, while Scott was alive. Richard did uh, did the tribute at the Royal Albert Hall for him and. Uh, and it was at the time that Funny Cow was out, so he and I were in town together, and we went to the premiere of Funny Cow, and then a couple of nights later, he went and sang at the Royal Elba Hall and sang "It's Raining" the, the Scott Walk song, and I just um, it's uh, me thought well, it's probably too well known to recommend to people. People probably do know the music of Scott Walker, but. Um, yeah, I, 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 I've got honourable. I mean, uh, there's a million. Um, I've just been sitting here now. I've got Restless Hours, Love Supreme. I've got Otis and Anthony by Mike Gary. Sweet Thing by Van Morrison. Oh. Anything by Anything by Jake Thackeray. Lloyd Cole. I heard the other day. Are you ready to be heartbroken? Chick Corea. Yeah. Lied. I am Clute. These days are mine. There's oh, a million. Let, let's let, let's talk. I am Clute. Because right. again, there's a few yeah. bands that never ever get mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I I went and saw I Am Clue at this yeah. tiny little venue in in a place called Harlow, down where I live, 
Yeah, and, no, it will. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I went in there, and because someone had said there's a band coming down, um, they're Mancunian, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's John, isn't it? Is it John Bramwell, the yeah. singer? Yeah, yeah. Fuck, yeah. mate. He mate. walked out, put his foot on an empty beer crate with his guitar, yeah. and he opened. And the minute I heard, uh, yeah. is it, there's blood on, there's blood on your legs. I love you. It was twist. Yes. And I was like, what the yeah. hell is this? And yeah. the second track he played was a track called Morning Rain. Yeah. And then was it 96 TVs? I can't think what it was yeah. called. Oh, yeah. I'd never seen anything like it. Just this three piece blew my socks off. If you listen to this, so I use music in everything that I can. So my series, Radio 4 series, Shetam, I did three of them. So Paul Heaton scored it, uh, and then Richard Hawley, uh, uh, I put Richard uh, stuff in it, The Ocean, and um, as the dawn breaks, and I Am Clue, uh, I put in it. So absolutely, uh, so it's that, that's, this is the thing. I think this is feels like the biggest responsibility of all to to introduce somebody to a piece of music that that you love but yeah yeah any of those and the sweet thing i've just the thing that i was just telling you about i want people to listen out for so i've got a podcast coming out called kill up and di which is a uh, it's a well it sounds horrendous hopefully i've pulled it off we'll see it's it's it's, it's it's you know those terrible daytime tv things that used to run in the 80s where there was one called Rosemary and Time where they were they were both they were gardeners and they helped out the police with murders. Yeah. So I've got that set in a northern seaside town called Kilup and DI, and I've got Jim Moyer, Vic and uh, Morgana oh, Robinson wow. as hairdressers who helped Catherine Kelly and Mark Benson, who were the local murder cops, um, and they're experiencing two hundred murders a day. And uh, and at the end of it's a bit of a it's a kind of a. It starts off. It's silly, and, and I don't think many people will get past episode two because it's fucking annoying. But if you can get past <laughs> that, I, I've deliberately done that. I've, you know, it's a deliberate thing with that. But it's a homage to Camus, who has been a sort of. Uh, uh, I am essentially an absurdist. I think life's absurd, and the the, the chase, the trying to find meaning in life is absurd. But we still try. And at the, the end of each episode, uh, I got the cast burst into song. They would go down to the beach and sing that. And, and hopefully it's worked. By the end, I just, it starts off silly, and at the end, I cut your throat. And I get them to sing Sweet Thing by Van Morrison. And I forgot, I just forgot how fucking beautifully intricate a song that is as well. Just, uh, yeah. And he was a young man as well when he wrote it. Recorded that album, I think, in three days. Yeah, and he was like 23, I think, or something. It was in New York, and he just pitched Unreal. up with his players. And uh, the, the, the only thing that I do remember about that is I think it was New York. It might not have been. don't matter. I think he was 23. That don't matter. But I do know that he said to the people that were playing with him, they, was, they were asking questions of him, and he said, just fucking play what's inside you. Well, and I yeah. That's mad you say that, right? Because I've got a Sheffield story, and maybe you, you'll know this guy. I don't know. But um, mm-hmm. in the mid-90s, uh, my, my band was playing, and we, we played Under the Boardwalk. 
in Plus, I don't know. I'd, I'd gone by then. And I'd there was a venue by. downstairs, and it had, if I remember rightly, painted on the walls was lots of kind of Sheffield musicians. Right. And and it was like an acoustic thing. Something had happened upstairs, and we had to play downstairs, and was asked if we could play acoustic. And and I wanted to play Cypress Avenue. Yeah. And the guy that run the night come out who was this kind of promoter in, in, in the, the, the basement of this venue in Sheffield. Uh, and he played guitar on Astral Weeks, whether he was just... Oh, just... Yeah, yeah, sure. And he played that with us. He was either telling yeah. us the most elaborate, brilliant lie I'd ever. Had a blown up. Had a blown up. Had a fucking literally blown up. Wow. And it blew my mind. And I was like, holy yeah. shit. Like, yeah. this guy played... Yeah. I mean, I hope it wasn't yeah. an elaborate lie. He seemed, he was, you know, he seemed pretty genuine. But yeah, uh, well, uh, in my mind, it's not. I've completely taken that story, and I'm, <laughs> it is true. Yeah, no, that that that's the. So I don't get impressed by. Uh, I don't get impressed by people that are me. Uh, I'm not I'm just not that. I don't watch TV. I don't watch stuff. I don't. I'm not that way. I'm not that way inclined. But if it's an artist or, or if it's an artist, artist, yeah, I'm I'm a giddy kipper. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that would have blown me away. But anyway, I did. I picked Scott Walker because um, he took me down the, the sort of that rabbit hole. I went to Jack Brell and all that, and then I found through him. I found Jake Thackeray. Who I don't know if people know, but Jake Thackeray was well. He used to be in the Astor Rancy show in the seventies. This is some sort of novelty, but he's a beautiful, complex sort of uh, uh, French in that in that Jacques Brel tradition. Yeah. But he's uh, from Leeds, right? Uh, and he's got. Uh, if if anybody wants to. Um, I should definitely search uh, Jake Thackeray's stuff out. It's just a beautiful juxtaposition. Uh, what, and he, he sings about the Dales and the and the northern without the saccharine sort of, you know. Uh, so yeah, so I, I'll settle for Scott Walker, but um, it, it could be. It could be. I want to introduce everybody to everything. Well. We put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast, so um, we'll add some of these honourable mentions in as Fantastic. well. Fantastic. Tony, Thank so you. people can get stuck in. Um, Fantastic. Mate, I sent you a message on Instagram last week. In the off chance you might read it and say yes, and you come back straight away, and it's been yeah. an absolute joy. Honestly, Tony. Yeah, right. you too, brother. Thanks loads, mate. It's been so yeah. nice talking records with you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm sorry I've built on a bit, but it's... Not at all, uh, mate. Not at it's all. It's in me. It's oh, in mate, me. Thank you so much. Talking music, mate, I could go on for hours. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, much, yeah. mate. Thank you, brother. Lovely to meet you. There you go. Oh, mate. What a what a wonderful human. Just, I love it when, he, I mean, what you couldn't see was literally, he looked in pain when he had to actually commit and say one. And that's unquestionable passion right there. And it was lovely. The... Yeah, the, the the just the insight into, you know, how much artistry, you know, cuts deep with him is 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 a lovely thing to hear, and it's the reason I set this podcast up was to have chats like that. So thanks again to Tony, um, and thanks to you lot for listening. Um, tell your mates about this pod, and uh, 
yeah, and give us a like, love, and or a share, or a retweet, or whatever you want to do over on the socials. Um, I'm back next time. Uh, in the meantime, anything else you need to know about the podcast, off the beat and track podcast.com. I'll see you next time. Bye bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stu Whipping. Hey,